0: McKee in for J.D. is Ben Ennis on Good Show today. Uh, text line's hot, hot, hot. We love that. Oh, yeah. 590, 590. Please include your name and location. Uh, one texter. I just need to get this off my chest. I've been getting this on the text line occasionally. I've even got this from some co-workers here, oh, and no. I don't like it. I don't I know what like say. it. I know you know what I'm going to say. Now, my name, as I just stated about 30 seconds ago, is Brent Gunning. Now, McKee, you've played you played hockey your whole yeah. life. Yeah. You've you've shortened buddies' names your all, whole all life. Do we yeah. have any buds we call? Like I we played some golf with Mike Ziggamanis earlier this summer, and I okay. called him Mike a couple times, and it felt yeah. awkward coming out of my mouth. It didn't want Zigo. to roll off my tongue. Ziggo. So my name being Brent Gunning, you shorten it to Sam McKee. Gunner. Thank you, no doubt. I, I have also accepted guns. That works. Guns? guns, guns. Now there are a few people who like to call me Gunny. Okay, <laughs> some some colleagues of ours, and I don't. I've never had the never had the oomph, the uh, the testicular fortitude to just come out and say it to them. So I'm using my platform and my perch right now. Gunner or guns will be accepted from this day forward to the end of time. There shall be no more gunnies, and that includes on the text line or if you ever get to play golf with me. If you're both think- lucky enough to spend time with me and unfortunate enough to watch my golf swing, there shall be no gunnies going forward.
1: One day we'll unpack the, the formula for if you were an er, an o, or uh, E. One day, the formula. One day. Smitty, you know, if your last name Smith, Smitty. You know, I got a, team, a guy on my hockey team's last is Chip. We call him Chipper. So it's like there's lots of different things. So we can get into that one day. But not now.
0: Not now. You know why? Because there's actual sports uh, to discuss, including what the Leafs got up to this week. Biggest move they made, uh, not re-signing Freddie Anderson. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. But signing Peter Mrazek, the old trade without a trade between the Hurricanes and the Leafs there, just doing the old goalie swap. Uh, no, save your David Ayers jokes, please. I would not like to hear, uh, any of those right now. Uh, if you're, you're going to hit us up in the text <laughs> line, what did you make of the Leafs kind of start free agency? I mean, we should probably start with Marazic. That's, that's the biggest splash of them all. I I'd say for me, the biggest surprise is the length of the term. I get that you want to have somebody on the books beyond Campbell this year. So you're not, you know, flying solo. If you're not able to get a deal done with Campbell since he's, he's going to be up after this year. 3 years at 3.8 feels a little long for a goalie I'm not all that sold on but the thing with me and goalies is I'm never sold on them even when they're going yeah. good I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop a- at any given time so where where are you at in the Mirazic signing and then anywhere else you want to go with the Leafs
1: well, There's a lot of stuff that we're similar on and it's it's our goalie fear I just fear goalies. It just, you know, there's been so many teams and so, across so many different levels of hockey that have just had their, you know, their life pulled out by bad goaltending. So it's always just something that's always scared me. And listen, I think the the 3.8 is a little high, but when you look at what Jack Campbell's making next year, it makes it way more palatable, right? You're paying both those guys just a little more than you were paying Freddie Anderson last year. So this is the way of the future. We've talked about it a million times, but it's like the running back thing in in the NFL. The new sort of, you know, the new sort of way, the new sort of zag is to kind of not pay your goalies a lot of money and to have them be, you know, under a $6 million cap hit. I think that's kind of the smartest way to do it, unless you're the Montreal Canadiens who spends like $14 million on their goaltending. Boy, Habs. Oof having a tough go you're you're the commissioner calling him out yikes i did oh hey remember when they had that run to the file nope anyways um (laughs) i i don't love mrazik it's just one of those classic like you know things in my brain that i just feel like he gets lit up a lot anecdotally like he has good numbers but i just feel like he's had some bad games against the leafs he's kind of one of those he's a snap show hot-headed goalie which i never love Mm. i feel like the goalie's I like a common.
0: Your boy goalie. Bennington, though. This is your guy.
1: Yeah, but that's different. That's old that's old love. Um <laughs> okay. I, I don't necessarily love the the hot headed goalie. But listen, they're paying their goaltending position five point five. It's given them a little bit more flexibility with the forward core. What do they have left now? Three and a half million bucks in the cap space. I don't know, man. I, I'm hoping that there's a bit of a splash coming up here. We can discuss what the forward core looks like at this moment, but the way that division's shaping up with the Bruins getting better, the Bolts kind of continuing to do Bolty things. Can we stop helping out the Bolts, everyone in the NHL? That'd be great. Mm-hmm. I am con- am concerned about the playoffs next year. I know the Leafs have a great roster. They have a ton of talent. But that division is a cement mixer. And the bottom half of the Leafs' lineup right now is just so thin, Gunner. It's just so thin. So I have my concerns. You can get into it. You can make your case for how it's – It's not that big an issue, but I'm concerned, man.
0: Well, first, and uh, we don't need to go back and forth on this because we'll we'll save our debates for the Leafs and not about how good we think the Boston Bruins or the Tampa Bay Lightning are. Tampa's going to be a good team next year. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're about to fall off a cliff. I am going to sit here and tell you they've played 100 games or the equivalent of in that small of a sample size in two straight seasons now. And those two straight seasons have been kind of jammed together. Also, we just spent the entire playoff run talking about how integral the bottom six was, how important Goudreau, how important Coleman were. They're gone. So that team is going to take a mini step back. That is not going to be the Tampa team we've thought of are still going to be the best team in the division entirely possible. The Boston Bruins are, they have been aging gracefully for a really long time. One day, it's just not going to happen. One day, Patrice Bergeron is going to go to turn over the engine, and it's just not going to go the way it once did. I've been expecting that to happen for quite some time now. Brad Marchand, not the spring chicken we we quite think of him as. So again, I think Boston's going to be a good team. They're making a big bet on a goalie that's been playing in Buffalo and hasn't played a game that's mattered in about five seasons. So I think Boston. He had a winning
1: record in Buffalo. That should have been the Vesna right there.
0: Okay, fair. Like nine hey, seventeen
1: save percentage and a winning record in Buffalo, Vesna.
0: You tell you tell me he's going to win the Vesna this year. I believe you. You tell me he's going to be on waivers this year. I believe you because you know why <laughs> he plays goal. Uh, Florida is the team that I think is maybe most scary to me in in that Atlantic. I guess the roundabout thing I'm trying to drive at is the Leafs are in a tough division, but I think they're right there with all of those teams. I, I honestly do. You know, in terms of the how thin the bottom is. Yeah, they need to find another body for that third line. Preferably one that could punch it up a little bit, but the fourth line, you know, uh, you know, Michael Amadio is is penciled in at center there right now. I don't think that's going to be the guy when when this is all said and done. That feels like more of a Marley's tweener to me. Jason Spezza, uh Pierre Engvall, I was fine with them being two thirds of the fourth line last year. I'm fine with it again. Ilya Mikheyev can't score, so I'd love somebody that can, but I don't mind. My- I like him as a third line cog. And then I think the thing that we're, because we've been too quick to jump to these things in the past, is what exactly is Nick Robertson? If Nick Robertson was a prospect for some other team, we'd be looking at them going, ah. There's where they're going to find their punch for the third-line scoring. I'm not sitting here telling you he's going to have 25 goals in his first full NHL season. I'm not telling you anything like that. But that's a guy who's going to be able to put the puck in the net if he makes the NHL roster out of camp. So it is thinner than it's been in the past, but I don't think it is a it is as disastrously thin as it kind of appears when you just look at it. And then Michael Bunting, I know maybe he gets a look in the top six, but if he makes his way down to that bottom six, uh, from everything you're hearing about how big a pain in the butt he is to play against, you'd love to have that in there too. So I think they're thinner, but I think how thin is maybe, for me, a little overstated.
1: Okay. I just – this is the time – where you know, it, I compare it to the Lightning, who have now won two cups. So it's I guess it's a little different situation. But you look at the you know you look at the guys that are kind of coming up for them now, and they obviously they lose they lose Goudreau, they lose um, Tyler Johnson, they lose Bar- and they lose uh, oh, the other guys escaping me uh, Blake Coleman from their bottom for their bottom six. But then they just have these guys that they've drafted and, and cultivated yep, coming up. Yeah, they have Joseph. They have that Ross Colton, who was great for them in the playoffs. And they just kind keep, keep kind of just churning these things in. And it's because they've been able to keep a lot of their, their draft picks in the second and third round and draft well. And the Leafs just feels like they haven't had any draft pick. Like they had a first round pick that they got back last year. Rodian Amarov, which I don't think he's going to be contributing to the 2021-2022 Toronto Maple Leafs. And then, you know, you look at this year and they had three picks in the entire draft. It's just the way that these teams that are cash-strapped kind of turn over year after year is with their draft pick capital and with these guys that they kind of draft and they move into the lineup. And the last couple of years, that just hasn't happened. And they've had to rely on the sort of the old guy method last year. And this year, they're kind of going with the no-name guys. Like, have you ever heard of David Camp before yesterday? Honestly,
0: (laughs) not before yesterday, not a chance. And and I'm I'm not going to tell you I'm Nick Alberga, but your boy watches out-of-market hockey. I know,
1: (laughs) I know. So I hadn't heard of him. Look, I'm not going to kill the signing. It's a million and a half bucks. They obviously know more than I do about him, but like that wasn't necessarily very sexy. Michael Bunting, I saw a highlight reel of him on Twitter yesterday. Somebody said where he lost two puck battles, fell down, allowed a clean exit from the zone. What I'm saying to you, Gunner, is I don't think a very good job has been done with the depth of this franchise in pretty much every position. I think the, the defensive depth has the best it's ever been, so I'll give him a break there. I think he's done a good job doing the defensive core, which is obviously very important, and they were good in the playoffs. But the forward depth, paying the four guys $40 million bucks, to me, it's just not working. It's just not working, and it's just not allowing you to have any punch in the bottom half of your lineup. And when you get shut down in the top half of your lineup and you can't get a goal from anyone other than Jason Spets in the bottom six in the last three games of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs – that's what happens the, the bottom six is really important in the playoffs the time where the least want to be the best and when you're running out you know uh, a third line of I don't know bunting uh, Wayne Simmons and somebody else it's just not what it needs to be in my opinion and I don't know how you fix it I don't think we've heard what Dubis says about Mitch Marner we've heard what he says about uh, William Nylander I don't think any of these guys are going anywhere. I as long as he's here, those guys aren't getting traded. I think we can all accept that. I just really, in my heart of hearts, don't think this is gonna work. And I want to believe it's gonna work, but I really don't believe that this method is gonna work, Gunner.
0: We we can talk about the bottom six all we want, and it's gonna matter. Like you're gonna need contributions from those guys. But at the end of the day, there are four players who are gonna decide. How far this Maple Leafs team go. One of them didn't play last round because it felt like he almost died at the beginning of the playoff series. And then the other, uh, the uh, one guy showed up in William Nylander. And then you had your two big boys who didn't give you anything. If you get contributions the way, you know, that live up to their salary for those four guys, this team's going to go on a run. They might not win the cup, and it might be the depth that does them in when they get to a conference final or they get to a third round of the playoffs, something along those lines. But they will be able to win a round or two solely off the strength of those four if they all show up. Huge if. Not going to tell you I'm guaranteeing it because I'd be dead if I was betting my life on it for all the times <laughs> we've ever seen it in these playoffs. But that that's the bet for me is it just is going to come down. If you want to tell me trade Mitch Marner to open up cap flexibility, here for it. Love to have the conversation. I've been banging the table. Whoever loses out on a Jack Eichel trade, the first call they get after that should not be from the team president saying sorry you missed out on Jack Eichel. It should be from Kyle Dubas saying what about Mitch Marner? Could I interest you in this for all your finest goods? That's that's the move I'd like to see made. The other thing I think is still possible albeit more unlikely as we get closer and closer to the start of the season is a Morgan Riley trade. It feels to me like that's not going to happen. It also feels to me like they can't afford what he's going to be worth. If Seth Jones is getting nine and a half, and Zach Riley's Wierinski. only a year older. Zach Warinski getting paid, so I think that that's the that is the shoe that I'm not expecting to drop, but I do think is something that could kind of alter the look of this team. I don't think well, it's going to be Martyr. I think if any of the big guys go, it's Riley. And
1: I think you know the 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 own rental conversation is one that plays on the mind of Kyle Dubis. And look at look at all the guys that have walked out the door for nothing. And listen, I'm not saying they should have traded. JVR when they're in a playoff race, or trade at Jake Gardner when they're in a playoff race, or I actually think they should have traded Tyson Berry that year for a second-round pick. Uh, I definitely think they should have done that. But, like, this year, they're not going to trade Hyman, right? Like, I understand why they didn't do it in those moments. I'm not having (coughs) revisionist history here saying, like, oh, they should have traded Hyman this year. I would never say that. But that Thought I guarantee you plays on Kyle Dubas's mind going into this year, another contract for another core piece that's coming up at the end of a really important year. What do you do? Like, can you? What's the number that you can give Riley? It certainly doesn't start with a nine. It's I don't think it can start with an eight. Like can it start with a seven? Is he going to take that? Probably no shot. So it's a really really hard thing to to deal with. And you know me on my Riley thoughts, I really think that. The playoffs, all seven games of the playoffs that the Toronto Maple Leafs were in, he really kind of changed my opinion about him. I, I never was a hardcore not a Riley guy, but you know when you get to the playoffs and you get into these games, every team needs a guy that plays over 30 minutes and skates, you know that just skates and skates and has the puck and makes things happen, and he's the guy for the Leafs. Like I thought he was dynamic in every game for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs, so. It's a tough, it's a tough battle for Dubas, and I'm sure that's the number one thing weighing on his mind right now.
0: Yeah, and it's, uh, well, I want to number
1: one. It's on the list. It's on the list of things weighing
0: on his mind. I did notice he had his big signing cardigan on on free agent day. You can't, but that is the cardigan he was wearing when he signed John Tavares to the deal. When he signed the contract extension for Austin Matthews, can't be bringing that out for David Camp and and Peter Mrazek. There's a little more meat left on the Leafs bone. There, Uh, we'll we'll pick the carcass over and we continue here on Good Show. Keep the text coming in five ninety five ninety. Good show here. Final hour. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee. Love, love stretching my wings, spreading my wings, stretching my legs, spreading my Ah, wings. Both sound good. Both work. You know what I'm talking about. I love getting more time to talk about sports. And what a day it is, man. Jays are coming home. Again, they're already here. What do you got? Can I say
1: a couple things quickly before we get to Luke? First of all. I'm sure he'd love to hear. Ben Ben Lewis. Unbelievable job with that little clip in there in the update. Uh, there's No Place Like Home. That was an incredible thing. Made me smile, made me happy. Uh, ben Lewis, uh, what a weapon. Secondly, shout out to Canadian women, dude. Honestly, they are absolutely carrying us at the Olympics. Like, have the men won a medal yet? Like, they it's all the women. Our Canadian women's soccer team beat Brazil. Oh, ever heard of them? In, a, in the quarterfinals today, uh, this morning, very early this morning, setting up an absolute grudge match against the United States of America in the semifinals. I, you know, it's a 4 a.m. wake up call. I will be getting up for that one. I really can't wow. wait. Yeah. I'm getting up for that one. It's just too big a deal. Like I couldn't do it. Cause I, you know, it's a big show today. I got a lot long day going to the Jays game. Needed all the energy. Couldn't get up today. Getting up for that one. Huge deal. Canada, USA, huge shout out to Canadian women for carrying us at the Olympics. So there you go. I agree.
0: I agree with I agree with all of that, except I will not be getting up at four in the morning. And I just (laughs) want to shout out Olympic schedule makers for putting that game at 4 in the morning and not making me feel like a bad Canadian for missing it. You know, if it's at 6.30, I got the kid. He's up. I'm up. I, I feel like I should, pro- I should probably watch it. I'm watching the 10,000. 000- Look, you put a Canadian on my TV. I'm going to watch it. I might find it a little boring at times, but I'm going to do it. Like, I watch the 10,000-meter race. I watch guys jog around a track for 25 minutes. Canadian, coming up just short. I can't help myself. I got to. Love the Olympics. I got some takes. We might, might dive into those uh, before the show's done. But Right now, we're going to dive yeah. into the the mess, the cap crunch, whatever you want to call it. We want to dive into Leafsland, and who better to do that with us than our buddy Luke Fox? Luke Fox, jukebox on Twitter. Luke, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing fantastic. The <laughs> long weekend is within sight, gentlemen.
1: I feel like he's got this the tea week time must today have... too. I know he's playing golf. Oh, are you playing <laughs> golf, Luke?
2: Right after this, I already put. Hey. I just mm. put on my. I just put on my sunscreen. I'm ready to go.
0: Oh, he is ready to go. And not a boy. Never think you're Oh, there you go. That's an important question. Well, uh
2: Toronto Hunt oh. Club. I, I am Ooh, I am not a member.
1: No! But I have uh
2: I have a buddy who chose a much much better career than uh sports
0: journalist. Yes. So he he. Yes, I'm I a lucky guest like... today.
1: <laughs> wow, you enjoy sure? that, Luke. Better play well, buddy. Jeez.
0: Yeah, what a uh, yeah, yeah. What a treat. Is there anything better in this life we've chose than when a buddy of ours has chose a much more lucrative life and we yeah. get to occasionally uh, ride ride said <laughs> coattails? So, uh, you know, yeah. the, the life we've chose isn't lucrative, but it sure is busy, especially when you have NHL free agency and there's what. I think I saw 150 deals getting done, over $500 million being handed out, over 200 and something years of contracts rolled out. Uh, I thought the cap was flat. Were, were you surprised that all the action and all the big money we saw getting handed out early early on in free agency. I'll get you on that before we uh, slide into the Leafs. Yeah, I was I, like,
2: especially when you look at what happened in the 2020 off season, it seemed like GMs were a lot more reasonable, frugal, smart, however you want to term it with, with their money. Um, because the, outside of Dougie Hamilton, um, and maybe you want to throw Alex Ovechkin in there, but there weren't like that many massive names. Uh, a lot of mid-tier players got a lot of term and a lot of money. Like, you know, you see Cody Ceci go go to Edmonton on a pretty lucrative we? deal. Like depth depth defensemen, like se- you know second third pairing defensemen made out like bandits. And you know, to to keep the story local, what it said to me was Kyle Dubas made the exact right choice at the expansion draft in yeah. protecting Justin Hall because at two million bucks or a guy who plays top four minutes on the right side, that looks like a steal now. Um, just the prices GMs were paying for defensemen in particular were crazy. And then even wingers, like guys like, you know, Jaden Schwartz, who might be eh, on the, the the downside of his prime, or guys like Brandon Saad, like those guys got paid. Very nice contracts. And it, it, Coleman, yep. Yeah um Goudreau uh you know that there's a lot of you you know kind of middle six wingers that really cashed in big time uh Hyman of course like uh you know good on the players like get every dollar you can but there's going to be a I think you know in in two three years we're going to be looking at this class of free agents and saying okay there's some some buyouts to here now
1: so I'm glad you brought up the Justin Hall thing cuz I wanted to amend my take on that on the air about how I thought that was a dumb mistake and that they would never have taken him. And with the with the the with hindsight, they definitely would have taken him. And secondly, how good does that TJ Brody contract look now uh a year removed? Like what would he have gotten on the free agent market this year? It's crazy that he's making 5 million. I feel like he was a free agent one year too early.
2: Yeah, good call by you um exactly yeah last year was the year to buy and that was i I, honestly i loved watching tj brody play i mean he scored one goal in the playoffs and one goal all regular season uh but that's not why you got him right yeah he was just consummate shutdown guy he had maybe two two games where you're like ah it was a bit of an off game but the other 50 some games he was like you could count on him like a drumbeat, like he was just Mr. Consistency. Uh, actually, that was um, Sheldon Keefe's nickname for him, Mr. Consistency, because that's what he brought. Like, uh, and the perfect partner for Morgan Riley, too. Uh, really settled his game down, and, and uh, I, I absolutely love love the pickup of Brody. Um, and you know that that's the best defensive performance by the Toronto Blue Line since. I started covering the team, like in, in memory. Um, so let's see if they can do it again. Uh, it'll be really intriguing uh, what Sandine can add to the group um, with a little bit more experiences after getting a taste in the playoffs. There.
0: So if, if second pair D are getting these these huge contracts, you know, and Seth Jones just got a biggie, you know, there's a guy at the top of the pecking order. Plays with TJ Brody, who's going to need a new deal, and this team has some cap problems. I, I love Morgan Riley. I love how he played with TJ Brody last year. I love the way that the D finally looks stabilized for the first time in seemingly what feels like a generation for this Leafs team. But I'm looking at the guy the, trying to read the tea leaves 12 months from now, or I guess nine, depending on what the new offseason looks like. And I just can't see a world where Morgan Riley fits in this team's cap. I would love for him to sign the deal that has him with this group for the rest of the core's run and all of those things. But it just seems to me like given all the money that's handed out to Lesser D than him, it, it seems to me like you'd have to consider exploring a trade because it just feels there's no way you can fit him under the cap next year.
2: I don't see it without, unless you move one of the four forwards. Like, that's the only way. You, you can't. You can't pay him uh, what he's worth on the market. Like Zach Wierenski last night got over $9 million. Um, You know, and and yeah, he's coming, he's a bit younger and coming off a a year in which he scored a bunch of goals. But this is the type of contract at the high end that Morgan's going to be looking at. I don't think he's. Quite there with Seth Jones and Dougie Hamilton and Warenski. I think you know the league views them as, as maybe half a step below those guys. But you know, if you're Morgan Riley, it's got to start with an eight, I would think. So um, they're they're in a bit of a pickle, and it seems like they've already made up their mind because I haven't heard any rumblings that they're that they're going to move them. I do know that some teams inquired. At least, which is, you know, just you know, opposing GMs doing their job. You gotta, you gotta ask it when a guy's out, uh, one year from UFA, but I get no sense that Kyle Dubis wants to trade him. I, I think it's one of those things where he looks at it. He sees Morgan's number at $5 million and says, we have one year of great value on this guy. Let's see if we can, we can make a run. And if we don't, I might lose my job anyway. So it's, it's all signs point to them keeping him, although the market to trade him would be uh, fantastic, I think, just considering the, the trades that defensemen are getting um, and also the, the contracts. But this, this is this – it is, feels like it might be Zach Hyman all over again where you love the player, you love the cap hit right now, but you run a serious risk of walk, letting him walk for absolutely nothing and your prospect pool and your number of draft picks isn't that great right now.
0: Well, the thing for me, the thing for me with the with the idea of a of a Riley trade and letting him walk for for nothing is, if you hadn't seen Seth Jones go for the price, and I'm not talking about the contract he got, I'm talking about what Chicago gave up to get him. If you hadn't seen such monstrous deals, I would say I don't know that this team needs to recoup just a couple of assets just to not have Riley on the team this year. But when you, And again, I understand he's not valued the same way throughout the league as Jones is, so maybe it's not quite that deal. But a good young defenseman who can play in the league right now, who is a top 15 pick, another first-round pick, and a second-rounder going for that, it, it just feels to me like you have to look at those things. And then it's not just about the player that you have in Riley, it's what's below him on the depth chart. You know, No one's saying Rasmus Sandin is ready to be Morgan Riley right now. But I think he has a lot more to give. And I I do think there's a world where if you moved Riley, yes, the D takes a hit. There is not someone as good as him to replace him. But it feels to me like you can still get somewhat close to the level that they were at last year without him. And that's, to me, why I would consider it. Yeah,
2: no, I I think it's worth considering. I just think maybe they missed the boat, right? Like the teams that were really active in like, hey, we want to trade for a defenseman and we're willing to pay through the nose to make it happen. Chicago, Philadelphia, but they did it, right? If if that was your decision, I think uh, Kyle Dubas would have had to make that be his plan heading into draft weekend. And there was no sense that that was his decision. I think he decided that he's going to keep him. But I agree with you. Like The return is fabulous. And what's going to be fascinating to me is where are, they, where are they going to play Riley? Like obviously the, the Brody Riley pairing works very well. Um, I imagine, you know, he's going to log his his 20 some minutes a night, um, at even strength. But what was interesting to me was towards the end of the season, going into the playoffs, all of a sudden he loses his spot on the number one power play unit to Sandine, Um, and Keith seemed really interested in giving the, the youngster some looks there and he didn't look too bad. Um, so it's like Morgan Riley doesn't really kill penalties too much. Uh, and if he's not on your top power play unit, like it, it, it's kind of like he, he's getting phased out anyway. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to try because there's, you know, keep has to make good use of Riley, but he also has to um, have Sandine take a, a step forward in his development. And that's one of his greatest strengths is running a power play.
1: Yeah. So last one for me, Luke, and it's just kind of a more of a philosophical thing with Dubis and so it's the remaking of the bottom six, you know, going from sort of the, the skill bottom six with the Kapanins and the Yonsons the in that way. And then kinda of transitioning into the gritty veteran side of it and now going into sort of I don't want to say it, but kind of the no name way to do it, you know, like with the guys that uh, maybe they're trying to find value in with the buntings and the camps. I mean, do you like the way he keeps remaking the bottom six, changing his philosophy kind of year to year? Do you think this is something that's going to work? or are you on my side of it where it's kind of impossible to build chemistry it's kind of a weird thing to have brand new two teammates every year kind of switching things around which side of it do you land on with the with the bottom 6 philosophy that they have i know they kept spetsa and simmons by the way and there's other guys that are in there but just different guys that they keep rolling in and out
2: yeah i mean i'm not a big fan of it but this is this is what happens when you pay four guys all the money you you end up top heavy so he, <laughs> You have to do it like this. You have to, every single off season kind of patch together something at the fringes and hope it works. Um, and I think that's been a real point of focus and emphasis is to try, try to create a third line that's just a shutdown line that you don't really care if they score because you're paying 40 million dollars for the other guys to score but if they can go up against one of the other team's top two lines and completely neutralize them you take that as a win like if it's it's a it's net net and then you hope your big guns outscore the other guys and it maybe freeze up one of the other Toronto top two lines to get a weaker matchup and take advantage of that so you know for me the perfect guy for that would have been Philip Deneau, right? He doesn't score goals, but he doesn't allow goals. But they weren't in that that tax bracket in terms of free agents. They, they were nowhere close. So what they do is they end up with David Camp. Um, you know, good analytics, zero offense in this guy's game, but he can take a ton of D-zone draws. And then if he, he loses the D-zone draw, he's good at... Still, you know, recovering and, and helping drive play out of the zone, and hopefully that means Tavares and Matthews take fewer D zone draws, and they're put in more prime opportunity um, to score, and you take advantage of it that way. So we'll see. I mean, this this is this is the thing, right? This is the Kyle Dubas model. You you change the pe- the fringe pieces every summer, and you hope there's some chemistry. You hope there's some breakout and some good stories. Galchenyuk was a good story for a while. Jimmy B C was not a good story. Travis Boyd didn't work out. But you gather all these pieces and hope that you catch them at the right time. Maybe Michael Bunting breaks out and becomes a really good second-line left winger. Uh, maybe he doesn't. You know, it, it's it's, it's uh, kind of like create an internal competition, take some inexpensive flyers on guys that you can bury their contracts in the minors for very little cost and, and hope you strike gold.
0: Yeah, on the uh, on the camp thing. Anytime you can you can replicate the electricity that was Riley Nash in a Leafs uniform. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have to have to do it. Uh, Luke, thanks so much for the time. Hey, play Enjoy well, Enjoy yourself today. Play well. You know, take pictures with your eyes, not your phone. Enjoy it out there. Hit them straight. All the other golf stuff. We love to say we are both extremely jealous of you, Luke. Enjoy it.
1: All right. Thanks. I will have a good have a good long weekend, guys. There yeah. Goes. You too, buddy. Thanks.
0: You know, he he's a journalist. We work in radio. I don't know what a long weekend is. I'm here today. I'm going to be here tomorrow. Work all the time. Uh, Thrilled to do it, though. You know, let's be honest. There have been a lot of there have been a lot of uh, late July into August weekends on the sports calendar. where We're sitting here getting excited about the 3M Open and NFL camps. And uh, that is not what's happening right now. That is not what's happening right now.
1: I just got a little email from our lovely boss, yes. Ryan Thank Faber. Yes. Thank you for getting
0: to this. This is wonderful.
1: Our boss, F- Ryan Faber. What a great guy. Just such a great boss, you know. Uh Get you. I, I know that he doesn't have a ton of control. He doesn't right have
0: any Jays tickets to, to give you. Oh, okay, okay,
1: okay. <laughs> 12.35 today on Hockey Central. I'm not sure if you've heard of this guy. Wayne Gretzky, the great one. Wayner, uh new analyst south of the border. So, uh, yeah. Make sure you keep listening uh, to us until noon and keep listening after noon because uh, Wayne Gretzky is joining the show today at 1235 on Hockey Central. Right, my boy, the Muzz, Nick Alberga, hey now, gets to talk to uh, the great one. Love it. So huge get by producer J.R. Manitow. Oh, no, it's actually Ryan Fabro who's producing it. So he's pulling, out the, he's pulling out the old contacts. He's ready to rock, and he's got Wayner on the show today. So there you go. How's that for a promo, Fabs? Good?
0: That was wonderful. I'll answer for our boss. You did a great job with that. I'm looking at a wonderful picture of Wayne Gretzky right now, and he is holding the Stanley Cup with John Cooper and Sheldon Surrey. He's just at a wonderful golf course, and it just looks like exactly the state you'd expect to find Wayne in. Just living life. And... If I'm going to read into his thoughts here, looking at it like, you're a little too comfy with that cup, John Cooper. I know you won back-to-back, but I'm Wayne Gretzky. Kind of my cup, too. Uh, yeah, let me see that wanna, thing. Yeah, you want to make sure uh, to listen to him on the station, 1235. Join the guys on Hockey Central. Uh, anytime uh, the great one speaks, you should listen, and he'll be talking about yes. a lot of hockey uh, going forward. New TNT analyst. I'm excited to see uh, what happens there. I'm excited to see what happens with this Leafs plan. I'm a little more bullish on it than, than you are. I, I think that every year we go into to the bottom six, wondering who are the guys who are going to hit. And as long as kind of one of them does, it'll work out okay. Be that Robertson, be that Bunting. I think if one of those guys hit and give you the kind of offensive pop you're looking for, you're going to be all right. I mean, those are big question marks. One guy's played 26 games in the, other, in the NHL. The other guy weighs 26 pounds. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're both locks, but that's the bet for this team is that the big four are the big four and that one or two of those guys, you know, shows up this year. And,
1: and listen, I don't want to go on the record here saying that I don't like the bunting signing because I do. And. Yep. You know, it was a nine two-year k per year for a guy that was apparently getting offered more money on the thing, and he took a hometown discount, played for the Sioux from Scarborough. Like, yeah, I like him. Like, I like the contract. But it's just, you know, if, just don't lean too hard on Michael Bunting is all I'm saying. You know, let, let's not have, like, the, the first, you know, training camp. Skate and they're like, oh, Michael Bunting skating on the top line. Let's not.
0: That's that. going to happen. Okay? Like, That's going to happen.
1: I know it's going to happen. All right, we got a few lease texts, so we got, we're getting a million texts today, and I love the text. Oh, sorry,
0: I've one I've, one, I've one, I've one more lease yeah, question have, to throw at you before we jump in there. As yeah. presently constituted, you do want Kerfoot up on that second line left wing with with Tavares and and Nylander. Like we're done with the Alex Kerfoot playing third line center experiment. We've we've seen enough yeah, of that. Yeah, I
1: think so. Yeah, I think so, and. I, unless they trade him. You know who I would love on that line and I think would be a really great fit is a guy that's kind of been floating around the room. Oh, I forgot to ask Luke about his picture of, of Mrazek yeah. and and Thomas Tatar that he tweeted out yesterday cryptically. I think that would be a very sexy fit on that line. Maybe having a Thomas Tatar with those two guys who are really good at getting the puck and setting guys up, uh, that could be a really good fit there. I've always kind of admired him from afar, but he never plays in the playoffs, so maybe not the best fit on the lease. Anyways, Uh <laughs> Yeah, Kerfoot is probably there. I think I think that's a pretty safe bet, and I don't mind it. Honestly, those two guys are so good they can carry whoever on that line and I think Kerfoot's a capable enough player to play with them, so I'm fine with that if that's what they well, go into the season with.
0: I I I agree with that. And the thing I would say about a guy like Tatar, and okay, maybe it's not him because of the, you know, defensive liability we talked about there. I don't understand why it can't be, and I've not seen Michael Bunting play more than seven shifts in my life, so I, I get I'm getting ahead of myself here. Why can't it be Bunting and Kerfoot on the left wing top two lines when you have um, $100 million going to the other two guys? I get it. Everyone wants to have the avalanche thing where you got Rantanen and Landis Cog and McKinnon. They're all super duper stars. Yep. Agreed. If you want to do that, you throw William Nylander on the top line and you let John Tavares center his own line. Like, There's a world where if you need the superstar up there, you can do it. But the whole bet of having these guys is that you can kind of just put a cog in there, be it a Kerfoot, be it a Bunting. Of course, the best possible version of that is Zach Hyman, well, and there's no replacing that.
1: And I loved, so we had uh, Paul Bissonette on the show, I think that was two days ago with with Bunk. And obviously we got the scouting report from him because he's the only guy in the world that's ever seen Michael Bunting play. And Biz Nasty, Paul Bizanette, said that he's a pain in the ass to play against. He played against him in the the AHL. Said he never shut up. Said he was a yapper. Said he's just a real tough guy to play against. And that's a great thing to get on the Leafs. I love that. Oh, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention Kyle Dubas trying to win my heart back. Signing Curtis Gabriel to a one-year contract. (laughs) Tough as nails. Huge time.
0: We had him on the show last summer. We spoke to him last summer.
1: Huge ally for the LGBTQ community. Uh, spectacular dude former own sound attack his mom still lives up in own sound uh Face huge puncher. fan of his work huge fan of his work so I absolutely love that sign I'm not sure how much you'll play but that's a great guy to have to call on if you're getting into a greasy game call Curtis uh, call uh, uh McDermott and uh sorry not McDermott he's another guy that played for own sound uh call Gabriel Oinsound and you're good guys. to go yeah, so he called Gabriel. You're good to go in any greasy game, so I love that signing. Uh, that tr- Dubas has tried to win my heart back with that, no doubt about it. So, uh, yeah. Do you want to get some texts?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it.
1: And I love this question, and it's from, a, it was from earlier in the show when we got it, but I think it's a really great question and one that I've been – anytime I have a show, I kind of uh, kick it around. How far do the Leafs have to go in the playoffs next year for Dubas' job to be safe? Thanks, Kyler and Peterborough. Now I ask you that question because I don't really have any idea.
0: Last year it was win around that was what we talked about and they lost around and he's he's back here. I didn't think they were getting rid of him but that was the kind of general consensus. I do think there's a world where they win just one round and he's back and the plan is mm-hmm. continuing and progressing and all of that. Now that world is you're, you're beating Boston and then you're losing to Tampa in a seven game series or vice versa. Yep. That's what that world Correct. looks like. I don't think just winning around guarantees it. I think it probably keeps you safe. And again, I think a big part of that is who you're going to beat if you win around. It feels like the worst possible team you could beat and win around next year, just the way we we're looking at the Atlantic and the way we're looking at the East, it would have to be that Florida team. And this isn't your slightly older brother's crappy Panthers team. This is a real, no, it's this is a real Panthers team with Barkov and guys you like. Uh, the one that got away, Mason Marchman. Hmm, you'd love to have him in the mix uh, on the on the bottom six. I think there's a world where he, where the team wins a round and Dubas is safe, but it's not a lock. Just winning one round is not a lock. You win two, that's absolutely guaranteed, set in stone. He's coming back. One probably does it though.
1: Okay, and here's where are you here's at? I, you don't
0: know. You don't. Uh, know.
1: I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I guess a win, a round win, but then the goalposts have completely changed to what this team's supposed to be, right? This mm-hmm. was a cup. This was weird. This was presented to the Toronto Maple Leafs fans as a cup contending window, and they haven't got past the first freaking round. So, I, you know, if it's like, yeah, we did it. We got past the first round. Yeah. Everyone's safe. Is that right? Is that correct? I don't know. Like, it's just such a complicated team to cheer for and talk about right now. It's just so hard to know what the expectations are now.
0: Yeah, and that for me is why it all depends on how it looks like. You win the first round. Yeah. I don't care. You you steamroll Boston, but then you go get steamrolled by a Tampa or somebody like then that. Then what? Then what? Exactly. Because you're going to have people talking out of both sides of their mouth. There will be the... Tampa got swept by Columbus and then the very next year won yeah. the cup. It'll be right there. Uh, let's, let, how about let's just shake hands. Uh, we'll do it through our Google chat here. Yeah. Let's Virtual not handshake. let that happen.